Welcome to Swisspreneur, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. My name is Sylvan and I will be your host. Today we're in the heart of Zurich and are meeting with Michael Bourne, the CEO and co-founder of Pixelvision, for our next Q&A session. As soon as we entered the Pixelvision office, the startup spirit jumped right in our faces. We saw laptops and cardboard boxes, sketches and whiteboards, and eager-looking employees from all over the world hovering over them. Michael is a successful serial entrepreneur. He co-founded Takuda a couple years ago and then sold it to Magic Leap in 2017. Michael is also a very down-to-earth founder and CEO and greeted us with a welcoming smile. After stocking up on some water and coffee, we headed over to the meeting room. And now, off we go with the first question on how to find the right co-founders. Before we get started with the episode, I would like to introduce you to SBB Startup. If you think that your company is a good fit for the Swiss Railways, get in touch with them or learn more about their startup programs at sbbstartup.com. Michael, a very warm welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's great to have you here today. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about finding the right co-founders in today's Q&A session. And we start with the first question right away, coming from Björn F. He asks, do I need a co-founder at all? What is your take on this? Well, I think you should, in any case, have a co-founder. Usually a team is just much, much better. Um, of course, it might work if you're alone. Why not? I wouldn't exclude that this, but usually your chances to succeed are just much, much better in a team. And why is that the case? Because you can split the workload on several shoulders or why, why, why does that actually make a lot of sense? Yeah, I mean, usually in a team, you would have different capabilities, different backgrounds, different personalities. Mm -hmm. And usually also, I mean, even if you talk to someone, uh, you usually have other ideas or if, if then if you just uh, uh, talk to yourself, basically. Right. And also a startup is actually quite rough at times. Uh, so you really need, you know, people who are very tight and very committed. Mm -hmm. And usually this would be founders like it's very rare to find uh, people that you can just recruit and that you can fully rely on the same way way as you could rely on a founder right makes sense and at what stage of the company should you look for co-founders is a question from eingefleischt so i think uh, the earliest uh, the earlier the better yeah. why i think when you actually define the whole journey the whole vision everything together then it's much much more aligned um, of course, you could, you know, start yourself and then uh, build a team around you. So this may work, mm -hmm. but still, it's really, really important to have a joint vision and the same ideas. And uh, co-founders should consider this as their own baby, just mm -hmm. as much as you do. And this might be more difficult if you do this later. So now we know why it's important that you look for co-founders and also do that as early as possible. But Cedric Waldburger asked, how many co-founders should you actually look for? And actually, can you also look for? So is there an ideal number and the maximum number of ideal co-founders? Yeah, so I mean, my experience may be somewhat limited. I've done just a couple of startups so far. Um, I believe that just one co-founder might work, but probably it's better to have more than one co-founder. Mm -hmm. I would say probably more than... Like um, a bigger team than five co-founders might 
gets a bit uh, difficult to handle, also mm -hmm. maybe a bit difficult from a buy-in perspective. So right. I would assume like the ideal uh, number is really between three and five. Okay, I think that makes sense. Usually, in our teams were usually four. Okay, this has worked quite the, well. the golden middle. Yeah. Then uh, Lucas Schuler asked: Is a co-founder necessarily a person, or can it also be a company? For example, maybe a branding or communication agency that becomes sort of your co-founder. Yeah. Well, I believe in people, um, so. Uh, it really depends, you know, what person would be behind and, and would, would uh, this person uh, suddenly be exchanged. So if, 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 it's, if, if it's an agency, you never quite know what happens with uh, the company. Right. So, yeah, if it's a sole company, this is just a sole owner is uh, the, the person you really want. Mm -hmm. Why not? But ultimately, uh, yeah, you invest or you build on people and their capabilities. Mm -hmm. So the very usual thing is actually to have a private individual as co-founder. And I, I guess the, the million-dollar question in that regard, also coming from Eingefleisch, where do I find my co-founders? Yeah, so it depends uh, what co-founder you look, you, you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Is it a sales-oriented uh, co-founder? Is it a tech geek? Or, or you know, this uh, might, might, might define a bit where you look for. I think there's uh, many uh, very good initiatives in Switzerland, uh, such as uh, venture Challenge, for example, from the EFJ. Uh, there's probably platforms such as, I believe, CoFoundMe. Uh, there's uh, initiatives like maybe Meetup or, or some other actually startup, startup uh, events. There's the startup camps, you know, mm -hmm. where you spend a couple of days uh, just with other potential co-founders uh, developing a business idea. Right. So I think there's many initiatives. And if you just uh, actually, if you just Google look uh, for a co-founder, a startup, you will find many, many different initiatives. For me, um, I had a business background, so I actually looked for technical people because I wanted to do a technical startup. Mm -hmm. um, and I deliberately went to ETH, but uh, this was a venture challenge uh, by EFJ. Okay. Um, so basically there I met very, very good people with technical ideas and this has worked very, very well. Cool. The next question comes from Helva Helena and she asks, friends or also family as co-founders, yay or nay? Um, I think it's clear yay. <laughs> no, yes, yes, I would say. Um, of course... It's always a bit of a risk if you know uh, if you do a, if you start up something really with with a close friend because mm -hmm. it's going to be a journey and and yeah it's going to change the friendship in in one way or the other right. but change is not necessarily bad it can also strengthen the the, the friendship mm -hmm. uh, so personally I have done very uh, good experiences with working actually with with close friends because you also know exactly what you can expect. Right. You can also trust 100%. And actually, I spent much more time uh, with these people than the, uh, compared to if we would not have done something together. Right. So I think it's a very, very good thing to do. In the same time, of course, you could potentially lose a very close friend. So mm -hmm. it is a bit of a risk, but probably worth taking if, if it feels right to you. Right. The next question comes from Larson, and he asked, for how long should I already know my co-founder before actually starting the company together? I think it's an, adv an advantage if you know him for 
you know, at least some time. And if you have worked or done a joint project, or maybe if you have done a, a thesis together or just done something together, so you know at least, you know, how serious is he, like, uh, or she, um, at the end of the day, like how committed also, how, you know, does it, does it work together from a personal perspective? Mm -hmm. I think these are things which you probably find out pretty fast. So also in this respect, maybe a startup camp is actually a good thing because you you would then uh, spend uh, maybe 24, 48 or whatever hours um, to, to, yeah, which may be very intense. Mm -hmm. And if this works out, usually I think um, would be good enough. Can I don't you... need to know uh, someone for two years. To, to Sure. Can you tell us how you something? did that with the venture challenge? How did that develop after... You participated there. What were the next steps that you took? Yeah, so Venture Challenge, first of all, we had three months. Mm -hmm. um, so each week, one, one lesson over three months. So, yeah, you had time to get to use the people, mm -hmm. um, which is very good. Uh, after this, we still had about one year uh, where this was kind of, you know, we did some initiatives like Venture Cake, for example, or, or uh, yeah, I think some other startup competitions. And so... We did some work, but it was not super close, but still we thought about the idea, you, you knew what, what the others would do, how they would behave, and so this is a very ideal setup. So we knew each other quite well already when we actually set up the company then. Okay, but not before the Venture Challenge, that was the first time where you actually met in person? Yes. Okay. And it was complete coincidence, like who, who like the group was a complete coincidence, like how we came together. Okay. Did you have any specific criteria that you were looking for? I mean, you said you were looking for technical knowledge. But I looked for the product, I think. And at the end of, no, actually, at the end of the day was a coincidence because I missed, I missed the first, the first uh, session. Okay. So I was actually allocated to, to one group. So actually it was a co uh, complete coincidence. The nice coincidence is that life plays. Yeah. <laughs> The next question comes uh, also from Lukas Schuler, and he asks, does my co-founder need to be geographically close? You are all based in Zurich or around Zurich? I think it's a tougher one and probably depends a bit on the business model also and on the industry you're in and so on. Uh, usually I think it definitely helps mm -hmm. uh, because especially in the beginning, it's such an intensive phase and... Also, you need to, you know, discuss a lot of things. Um, so usually I think it, it does help a lot. On the other hand, if one guy sits in Silicon Valley and, and, and use it here, for example, this may also uh, be quite interesting from a setup uh, perspective. Um, but then you should probably know your, your person already quite, quite well because, okay. uh, yeah, at least, uh, you know, it's different time zones and so on, with, yeah. which brings its own challenges. Yeah. So remote can work, but probably only with a, a long history that you already know each other for quite a quite a long time. Yeah, or just someone you, you really uh, interact um, with uh, very well. Cedric asked, what is a good test to figure out if we're a good team? Maybe you can also tell from your personal experience how you then did that when you entered that group. I think I partly answered already when you do something, you know, you have a joint uh, goal for a certain uh, period and you, you try to pursue it. So mm -hmm. that's probably the best, you know, if we, whether it's a, just a one weekend or, 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 or one competition or something challenging, mm -hmm. which you need to achieve in a group. 
I could also think this could also be something non-business related. Uh, just go a weekend somewhere and see. But I mean, yeah, if you have a joint a joint goal for maybe two days and 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 uh, you achieve it as a group, um, then I think this is a then you know how people behave. Okay, that's a good sign then. Is this very much driven by by your gut feeling or just your general feeling for for the people, or do you also have like you know very raw criteria that you apply and say, hey, this is actually a good team because of this, this, and this, or is this really uh, summarized in sort of a gut feeling? Yeah, it's both. I mean, gut feeling is super important. Um, you know, you you work with this person's extremely close mm-hmm. day and night. You probably spend more time. Uh, with with uh, your co-founders and with your family and, and close friends, um, so gut feeling and just uh, you know feeling comfortable uh, working with them is really really important. Mm-hmm. Um, also trusting each other and so on, you need to be able to fully rely on. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same time, of course, you should only work with people who really can contribute something. Um, uh, so this is, I really believe a lot in inter, you know, interdisciplinary teams, uh, with the CUDA, for example, we had, a, and also with Pixel Vision now, we have a very balanced background from technical and, and, and business expertise, for example, I believe in, uh, different, um, charac- characters. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that, yeah, you, you might have the very visionary guy the, or the, the very sales-oriented guy who is very, very important in every startup, but just as important, you might have the very thorough guy just cleaning up a little bit right. <laughs> behind the first one. Um, to have sound technical expertise, of course, uh, in a tech startup, absolutely mandatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe in a combination of uh, skills, competence, uh, personality, yeah, and gut feeling. This is also closely linked to Cedric's next question. Should my co-founder be similar or totally opposite to me? And here you sort of say, to a certain degree, you need to have both aspects, right? If I understood you correctly. Yeah, in any case, uh, yeah. There should be different competencies. There should be different characters in any case, yes. But I think the, the value set or, you know, the, the, the core values that... Uh, should still be pretty, pretty coherent. And, and uh, I mean, also the vision, uh, the, the goal that you pursue really need to be aligned on this because if this is not, you know, one guy just wants to have a small company growing steadily, but, you know, and the other one wants to uh, build the next Facebook, it's probably not going to work because either uh, one guy just does the whole job or loses the other one or, you know. Um, so having the same... Objective, vision, but also value set. I think this is key. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, you should really be uh, as varied as, a, as possible as a team. So we did, for example, these color color schemes, like there's red people, and yellow exactly. people, and blue. So it's, it's good if this is very balanced because it means like you can cope with more situations. Yeah. There's a beautiful quote, I think, that applies perfectly to what you just described. A good team is shared values, but complementary skill sets. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the perfect description for what you just said. Yeah. How do you actually make sure that your values are aligned? Do you talk about them? Do you come in them like from a personal perspective and then see how they sort of add to the other people's value? How do you make sure that you're aligned in terms of values? 
With Pixel Vision, I think we were already like aligned a lot because we've been working together for uh, a couple of years, like right. since 2010, 11, and 12, uh, depending on the co-founder. Um, I believe like probably 80, 90% of the values are probably already there. And if this does not match, I think there's, uh, you can talk and discuss mm -hmm. for a long time and probably also waste a lot of energies. So that's why I think it should just uh, fit fit together from, from, from a start. Then, of mm -hmm. course, a whole different question is how do you create a culture and how do you, you know, create these values? Or maybe I would more say make these values visible in, in a company. So there's a whole different uh, discussion. I believe it usually helps that you also listen to the organization what values are already there and then try to build on it rather than just... Uh, you know, uh, pro proclaiming or, you know, just uh, saying, okay, these are the values yeah. now, 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 now live, uh, live after them and let's discuss until you agree. Like this mm -hmm. uh, would usually not work. So does that also mean that when you actually choose your co-founders that you check for values there and choose them to fit your personal values, for example, the values that you want to have for your company and not try to change them later on along the process? I would say so. And I mean... I don't have a checklist and, and go sure. through this, but uh, and this is probably what I mean with gut feeling, like a lot, which is, uh, you know, you talk with them, would you want to have a beer together? Maybe you uh -huh. discuss about some, some things which matter to you mm -hmm. and, and, and you see if this matches. We take a short break to introduce you to the startup of the week, Yamo. Yamo is a direct-to-consumer baby and children food company. They are active in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria, and are among Switzerland's top 100 startups. They also count renowned angels and VCs as their backers. Yamo is growing its team at a fast pace and has opened positions in operations, marketing, and software development. If you want to join one of Switzerland's premier startups and actually make a difference in people's lives, then head on over to their job section at www.yamo.bio. Now let's also talk about the investment side of co-founders. Lukas Schuller asked, how much time does my co-founder need to be willing to invest? And is it possible that they also have a role on the side and work for something else as co-founders for your company? So from a commitment level, I think 100% and everything else is just not enough. Um, of course, you could do here and there some other activities if this is, you know, if this, this, this helps the company, if uh, this helps to create a network, which uh, if, if this matters to you personally, because you, you can get energy out of it. Uh, so to a certain extent, I would actually think it's, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, at the end of the day, you have 24 hours and, and I would like to see my co-founders to be fully committed uh, yeah, for the same startups yeah. as I'm working for. That makes sense. And should they also invest into the company financially, the co-founders? Um, I think a co-founder or any founder invests a lot, usually not really financially uh, as such, but you know, with his lifetime and with mm -hmm. his full uh, energy and uh, at the end of the day also opportunity cost could do right. something else. Um, I don't really believe that you, know, you need to um, invest a lot of money. Um, you have enough stake in it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And 
quite quite often. I, I want a co-founder because of his skills, because of his 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 value he brings to the company, you know, not because of his money, because that's the investor's role. Yeah, exactly. Just in case that there's one co-founder who's investing money into the company, then a new co-founder joins. Should that co-founder invest the same amount of money just to have the balance right? Or doesn't that matter too much either? I think it depends very much on the situation. Maybe the first co-founder is super rich and right. has brought money and, and has uh, brought the company to a certain level. If the other guy joins later, yeah, they'll need to find some kind of agreement. But I think mm -hmm. this has to be looked at in, in every specific situation. It would not be very, very uh, kind of... Uh, yeah, professional to give any like broad advice sure. without knowing the details. Another very important topic is your equity. You have shares of the company usually. How do you split that amongst co-founders? Just equally or what is your best practice there? So if you start together and everyone is just equally engaged, uh, you don't have a, a long prehistory or, you know, you should start from zero. Right. I think it's probably not not much reason why there should be uh, well large differences, any differences, or at least not large differences between between the founders. Um, having said this, of course, maybe one founder has very critical skills or gives uh, gives up uh, much, uh, you know, uh, sacrifices much much more than another guy. Maybe has much more experience, and the other guy is straight from university. Mm -hmm. So there may be variations. I wouldn't exclude this, but as a general rule of thumb, I think in the management team, it's it's good if it's fairly equal, or at least that anybody has a major stake in it, right. a major stake in it, and the stake should be big enough that it really is worth going any extra mile uh, which is required. Closely linked to that is also the salary of a co-founder. Should co-founders get the same salaries or do you make any differences there? So the same applies. I think it's, it's fair if one guy has 20 years of experience, the other guy has none and you know then obviously like probably they wouldn't have the same salary. Right. If one guy has uh, four kids to, 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 to feed and, and one guy is straight from university, maybe also not. Um, but again, also here I would really have uh, uh, discussed this in a very specific case. Mm -hmm. I think what is really important is that everyone uh, agrees uh, that this discussion is held uh, in the beginning. Everybody accepts and then also it should be fine for, for everybody. So mm -hmm. it's probably not good if, you know, after two years, a uh, co-founder comes back and then say, oh, since two years, uh, this doesn't feel right. So right. this will be a very bad situation. But still, it could happen that this changes after two years, for example. So for the beginning, you feel that's okay. But then after two years... Yeah, I think whenever it doesn't feel right, yeah, probably needs to, needs to be discussed. Huh. And then you find a solution together. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Um, Luca Schuler also asked, what kind of contracts and terms do we need uh, to outline our co-founding relationship? What would you do there from a legal perspective? Sorry, what contracts and... What contracts and terms do we need to outline from a legal perspective for the, managing the relationship with your co-founders? Um, well, we would usually have, of course, 
every co-founder would have a work agreement uh, with with the company mm-hmm. um, and then usually we would also have now would uh, recommend this especially if you want to get investors on board later on I would recommend the shareholder agreement um, these are probably the two two things that I would would do yeah. it's very straightforward the basic stuff basically yeah. uh, vesting is also an important part in the shareholders agreement usually what do you think about the, the co-founders vesting schedule? Yeah, I think vesting, I would in any case put this in. I think it's a good thing. And I would really also be, I would want to rely on my co- co-founders. Mm-hmm. So the, the last thing that you want to happen is if, uh, you know, co-founder leaves after one year and with all the shares, it's really, yeah. really a bad situation. Um, I believe the vesting schedule can be a bit longer than than it's maybe usual because most startups actually take a bit longer than the very optimistic founder thinks right. in the beginning. <laughs> it's a very that's the nature of the, the, the founder. He should should be very optimistic, mm-hmm. um, but still, like a, a vesting schedule of of more than three years, I think it's not not wrong at all. Okay, so you probably opt for four even five years. Yeah, I'm depends if everyone agrees and should be sure. the same for everybody. But I don't think it's wrong because many, many startups, they get sold after after eight years, nine years, ten years. Yeah. And, and just the first three years are very, very important. And on the other hand, if, you know, even after three years and if the vesting period is over, usually you still want to contribute and the likelihood that you leave is actually not that big. Um, but still, I'll probably do a bit more than three years, but yeah. not not ev- everybody might might agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's also why we're here for, to get the different uh, perspectives on this. Then you start working together as a co-founding team. Uh, one of the first things that you probably need to define is how you split up the roles. So the question from Cedric is, how should we split, split up responsibilities and also showing the early stage to later stage evolution as the roles might probably also change over time. Mm-hmm. Well, to start with, yeah, it really depends on what people you have on board, but usually you need to have one guy who might become the CTO or, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of the technical side. Then you probably have one CEO, which is basically a, a sales guy <laughs> <laughs> to start with. That's his, his main role apart from yeah, managing the company and maybe managing some some other relations and partnerships, but he should sell. So it's right. uh, very, very important. Um, and then you might have one, one COO, uh, which kind of uh, yeah, ensures that everything is sound and solid. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be variations, depends a bit on the skills. Um, so uh, you could also have one, one guy who's, for example, very good. That's a bit how we have it now, like uh, with, with sales and product definition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then another role, uh, more like uh, uh, finance, uh, uh, investor uh, management and, and, and also sales. I think everybody should actually do sales. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, really important. All the co-founders should do and should have the capability and willingness to also you know, promote, promote yourself and, and do actually sales. Um, so there may, may be variations, but, but this is probably the, you know, the different areas that we really need to cover to start with. Mm-hmm. Over time, this might change, may change. Uh, sometimes you even take uh, in, in larger management team at the CUDA, we have taken in an experienced CEO at the mm-hmm. time. 
Um, this can happen. Uh, you might actually want to send your co-founders or go yourself uh, to foreign foreign uh, markets to you know do the internationalization. It's usually a founder who should be there just mm-hmm. also uh, yeah to 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 uh, make sure that the whole ways of working, the values, just mm-hmm. the, the the DNA of the company uh, is exported to 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 your subsidiary. Um, so this might be another very, very common role of a co-founder later on down the track. And uh, during the time that you work together as co-founders, you know, there are usually ups and downs. So Shredded asked, are there any like KPIs that you should focus on in order to maintain a, a good co-founder relationship or also to determine how you actually work together as co-founders? I know KPI sounds maybe a bit weird in that uh, context, but anyway, maybe you have an idea or take on this. Um, well, the first and foremost, well, the most important thing is that you actually keep communicating and you talk. Um, one way of doing is, uh, it is just to have something institutionalized, mm-hmm. like we had uh, at least for some time. And I think it was a good thing. We should have kept up uh, more. Uh, how, how did you do that specifically? Because I, I think it's basically a good thing to have have a slot like reserved every whatever months, two months, yeah. where you don't really have an agenda. Mm-hmm. You just talk about you know how you feel, how things are going, about the future, right. future ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a very good uh, forum where you can also you know share whenever something doesn't feel feel right where you can share it, mm-hmm. especially in, in phases where there's very high pressure. Uh, this right. might be actually a tool that you just uh, implement this. Otherwise, KPIs, this probably many we have never really done it, but mm-hmm. might actually be a good idea. Yeah. You could also start, like ask for a rating, for example, where you say every day or every week, you ask everybody, how are you feeling on a scale from... One to ten. Yeah, we're thinking about this, these measurements now for the whole team, but okay. also for the management team or for the founders, this might make sense. Yeah, right. why not? If you do it on a regular basis, then you can also compare and then discuss that in the, in the setup that you just mentioned. Exactly. Um, the next question is also, what aspects is it okay to disagree with, um, with the co-founders? Basically, where should you be very aligned and, and agree uh, with each other and where is it okay to disagree and you can still work very well together, although you disagree. I think it's important to really have discussions and also very serious discussions where you should uh, have the right and you know you should really disagree if you do disagree, uh, especially when it comes about uh, yeah major changes on, on on the you know strategy or the objective vision mm-hmm. and so on. Um, of course. Also in a daily life, I mean, there might be, you know, discussions which are valuable. But then I think the most important thing is really once you have come to conclusion and once a decision is there, you mm-hmm. should just stop uh, and, and, and uh, yeah, stop uh, f- further discussing because that then can really paralyze. Right. Um, so have uh, strong discussions. That's great. Um, but once you have uh, agreed, just uh, stick to it. What do you do if you don't agree to really avoid this overkill of discussing the same things over and over again? Is there any technique or hack that you can recommend to come to a fast conclusion and not turning them in the same cycle? 
Mm, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying that the fast conclusions are always the best ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes actually decisions do take time. Sometimes it's entirely okay just delay or say let's let's uh, discuss this once again next week. I'm just saying once we have decided, and then I would not really allow you know that we rediscuss and rediscuss and right. rediscuss. Yeah, it's probably sense. a bit of a leadership task. Then mm-hmm. um, yeah. And are there any red flags that you see when co-founders discuss or also disagree with each other? Any red flags that you say, hey, this is an absolute no-go. Um, you should really ask other questions if this is actually still working. I think if you're aligned uh, very well and share the, the, the same, same values, then this is uh, not very, very likely to happen. Uh, but if it does, I would probably first ask myself, okay, why do I react so emotional about this? So what's, what's the reason behind? Mm-hmm. Um, we Maybe this is actually not really about the exact issue or the exact thing which is being discussed, but more about something about my value set behind, which is kind of questioned. And then, yeah, I would rather reflect first and, and find this out and then, and then discuss it. And sometimes things just don't work out. So the breakup scenario can also happen with co-founders, just as you also have to fire employees sometimes. What would your recommendation be to to go about firing or letting go of a co-founder because it's not working out? What would be the the best process to handle and manage this? Yeah, I mean this can happen. I don't really have experience in this. I I can say, um, but yeah, I mean if this happens, uh, there's usually two adult people uh, with with still a, a common and joint interest <laughs> that the company will succeed. Um, so. Yeah, I think there shouldn't probably be too much uh, discussions about, you know, I wouldn't, I would hope that it would not be too, too emotional and just, just fact oriented and mm-hmm. the common uh, goal would still be what's, what's the best for the company and how can we mitigate uh, the obvious, you know, um, 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 what's the, the waves or the obvious um, um, challenges uh, which come with the situation. Because this can also be a death sentence for a company, right? If one or several co-founders leave in an extreme scenario. It can, it can. Mm, but usually, usually I, I tend to believe that nobody's really replaceable. Um, so I think it should not. And if it is, then maybe uh, also the risk management of the company or the management was maybe not that great. You probably didn't do a good job beforehand then. <laughs> You can also split your roles in a much luckier or better scenario. If your company gets acquired, you sell it. And then you also uh, sort of uh, get on two different paths. You've done that with the CUDA, for example. Um, Alex is now working at uh, Magic Leap. You started a new company. How do you decide about how to move forward there? Was that like your decision? Was that also sort of a decision made by the buyer? And how do you actually execute that? Yeah, so in our specific case, um, and actually there were four, fa- four co-founders, so, so Martin, Eric and Alex are now, are now with Magic Leap. I could have joined, I had the option and it was not that, that of an easy decision um, because it would have been also uh, very interesting, uh, would have been a very good offer. 
Um, but at the end of the day, there were two factors. One, I believed that uh, uh, what I can do now is much more entrepreneurial uh, because uh, we had a very, very good team. Mm-hmm. So a former Dakota employees all joined me and, and uh, we could do this together. So this is great. We had uh, some opportunities uh, because we, we had some existing custom relationships. There was a lot of know-how in the brain. So at the end of the day, it was also a very good opportunity. And of course, for uh, Dakota came in very handy because, uh, yeah, um, otherwise I probably would have uh, needed to, to look after this business uh, from from Magic Leap side or, or someone else would have needed to, to, to worry about it. So I think the scenario, yeah, it really served everyone uh, very well. And everyone was very happy at the end. And as it sounds, you also followed your, your gut feeling because you wanted to do something more entrepreneurial. Yeah, usually with the very, very difficult um, decisions, I, I tend to rationalize uh, first a lot, um, but then at the end, uh, I probably would not uh, choose the scenario which kind of hit the largest, whatever number of points or something, but I would f- follow the heart and uh, it's probably the best, the, the, the better way. Is there anything else that you would like to the topic of finding your co-founders that we have not t- talked about yet? No, just at the end of the day, it should should be fun also to work with with your team, and and you should you know it's still you spend a lot of time working. In any case, as a founder of a company, you probably spend even a bit more time working. So right. it really should should be fun. It shouldn't feel like uh, you know you're you're kind of uh, wasting your time or or it's boring or or that you, you spend time with people you really can't uh, you know you don't want to work together with so it should should really be fun so choose choose them well and uh, it's probably one of the probably the most important decision when when setting up a startup almost like marriage. Almost like marriage. <laughs> so enjoy the process and uh, the ride, basically, and don't be too much focused on the end goal because the process should be fun, I think. Exactly. Beautiful words to close. Uh, thank you so much, Michael, for taking the time. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to you today and thank you. answering all the user questions. And I wish you all the best for your future and for Pixel Vision's future. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the content, we would be thrilled to receive your rating on Apple Podcasts. Next week, we will already be back with a new episode of The Swisspreneur Show. We will meet with Estefania Tapias. She is the co-founder of WeSpace, a women-centered community based in Zurich, Switzerland. We talk about how she started a company in Switzerland as a foreigner, how she grew up in Colombia and how her entrepreneurial parents influenced her career, and also how she met her co-founder, Laura, on a blind date. This and much more will be packed in an all-new Swisspreneur Show episode for next week, so make sure to tune in again.